Blog Talk Radio. In that land across the sea, there's a job for you and me. Though our presence there may not be found We must stay each night and day On the battle line and pray We must never lay our weapons down We don't have to be a soldier Pearl tonight on Reaching Out Radio International, 
What a joy it is again to be with you from wherever you happen to be listening to from around the world. I just want to bless you in the name that's high above every other name. And that's the name of Jesus. What a wonderful, wonderful Savior we have. What a great King, great Lord, great God. There's no one like him in the entire universe. And that's why Reaching Out Radio is here to uh, share the gospel, the glorious good news of Jesus Christ with every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, no matter what your circumstance, no matter what tribe, what nation, what ethnicity you are from. Jesus loves you and has a great, wonderful plan for your life. So again, I greet you in the name that's above every other name. That's the name of Jesus. God bless you. I've been doing a series on the weapons of our warfare, taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. But the weapons, I've been dealing with them one by one. The first weapon I dealt with was praise. Praise is a tremendous weapon that you and I have in our arsenal. As we spoke on the very first a week that we brought this series, you and I are not engaged in a physical battle. So please understand me. I am not advocating physical violence. But what I am advocating is to use weapons that are spiritual because the warfare that you and I are engaged in right now as believing saints of God is a spiritual And thank God that at the end of the day, the battle does not belong to you or to me, but the battle is the Lord's. But we are his soldiers, and we have engaged in his army if we belong to the kingdom of God. And so we talked about praise being the first weapon. We even talked about how the children of Israel were told by the Lord when they asked him, which of the 12 tribes should go up? In battle first and God spoke to them very clearly and he said send Judah first meaning let God be praised send Judah first then the other weapon that we talked about was the Word of God God's Word is a phenomenal weapon in our arsenal and I shared with you How Jesus, being God incarnate, fully God yet fully man, when he was being tempted of the devil in the wilderness for 40 long days and 40 nights, he was fasting for those days. He fasted for those days. Wow. He was not eating meat. He did not eat bread. And so, of course, he was hungry. And he was physically weak. Mentally, emotionally. But what did Jesus use to combat the devil? Now, this was not just an imp or a demon that was approaching Jesus. This was the devil himself. This was Satan. So if you haven't heard those messages, I would encourage you to go back when you have an opportunity and listen to those. The first one was um, 
praise being a weapon, and then the word of God being a weapon. And now we've been talking about prayer as the third weapon. And we actually started speaking on prayer last week. We did part one, and I really felt in my spirit that God wanted me to do a part two. And I entitled this message, No Battle is Won Without Prayer. And so let's just open up tonight. Uh, Just before I get into the word of God, let's just pray that God would illuminate my heart, that God would use my lips to speak forth his word. His word's already anointed. But God uses people. He uses men. He uses women to bring forth his word. to encourage us, to teach us, to help us in our journey as we walk with the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this privilege of coming again on Reaching Out Radio International uh, with the special radio listeners that are listening from all around the world. In every continent where you have people, there are listeners. And we know uh, that... People are tuned in. Thank you, Lord, even for the young man that reached out to me this week, this past week, and he said he was so blessed. And he himself is an evangelist in the nation of Pakistan. I just want to reach out and bless him. He may be listening tonight. May the Lord bless you, young evangelist. May you be encouraged. May you be strengthened to preach the word uh, unashamedly, in boldness, with great grace, And may the Lord strengthen, protect, and use you to cause many, many people to come to know the Lord Jesus because of the ministry that he's blessed you with. And not only for you, dear man of God, but for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that's been listening to Reaching Out Radio International and specifically listening out to In the Word with Sister Pearl, I pray God's manifold blessings on you. I pray that tonight as I go into the second part of no battle is one without prayer, that you would be strengthened, that you would be encouraged. I pray that every distraction, every hindrance, every stumbling block would be removed from you tonight and that you will be able to receive the word of God and use the word of God, apply the word of God, live by the word of God, and be encouraged In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. So we're going to go into part two. And we're still using that verse as our key verse from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. And here it goes. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and request. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Again, that was from Ephesians chapter 6. And verse 18. So I'm going to immediately, last week we began sharing on what praying in the spirit looks like, and I'm going to immediately pick up on this theme with having the apostle who wrote the majority of the New Testament under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and which is beneficial for us today living in 2023. And I'm, I'm, I'm quoting from the apostle Paul as he spoke to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4, and I'm reading from the first part of verse 4, and I'm reading from the King James Version. It's, it's specific that we, we look at the King James, because I really believe the King James Version 
I'm not saying that that's the only uh, version of the Bible that you need to read because there are other good versions, but specifically the King James is so accurate in this, and you're going to see why I'm saying that. Because it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, in the King James Version, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. But if you look at the other versions, they don't, they don't use that term unknown. They just use tongue. But it's specifically, the, the Greek is an unknown tongue. My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. And then verse 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. Now, last week I spoke about the difference between a known tongue and an unknown tongue. A known tongue means that the tongue or language is known to a people group, tribe, or nation somewhere on the earth. An unknown tongue refers to a language that is not known anyone any man or woman anywhere on the earth. There is just no such language or tongue like that. So there's a big difference between a known tongue and an unknown tongue. And I want to read to you because you might be saying, well, Sister Pearl, in Acts chapter 2, did not the disciples speak in unknown tongues? Well, let me just read that. Let's re- read what the Bible actually says. They were all, I'm reading from verse 4 of Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to read Acts 2, verses 4 through 11. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Now, this is also the King James Version. Notice that the same King James Version is not saying unknown tongues here in Acts chapter 2. But it says they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these that speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes, Elamites, the dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea, Cappadocia in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya, about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So I just read to you Acts 2, verses 4 through 11. There is such a thing in the word of God as known tongues and unknown tongues. When we speak in known tongues, For instance, the disciples in Acts chapter 2, they spoke in known tongues. And the reason that we know that is because even though the disciples themselves were not learned 
in the language of the Galileans. They did not know how to speak to the Medes. They did not know the language of the Mesopotamians. They did not know how to speak the language of those in Asia or in Egypt. And yet, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. But the Spirit of God gave them utterance in known tongues. In other words, Peter did not know these tongues. He was not schooled in those tongues. He had never learned those tongues. The men and the women who were there from the areas where that particular language was spoken, they understood what Peter was saying. So even though Peter did not understand what he was saying, they understood what Peter was saying and what the other apostles were speaking. So those were known tongues to the listeners who had heard the glory of God being magnified in their language, because it says, and we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So even though the speakers themselves did not know those languages, but they were speaking as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance, the listeners to hear God's words and his wonderful works being proclaimed through the, the, the disciples and the apostles speaking in tongues. So it, it's clear there is such a thing in the word as tongues. There is an unknown tongue. When we speak in an unknown tongue to the Lord, the Bible teaches us that we edify ourselves. That was in First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 4. It says that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies him, himself or herself. What does edify mean? Edify in the English means to instruct, prove, especially in moral and biblical knowledge. Edify means to uplift, also enlighten. And the older form of edify means to build up or to establish. So the believer who prays in an unknown tongue edifies him or herself. What should you and I be doing in times of battle? Should we not be building and establishing ourselves for the battle? Absolutely. So we need to do as Paul, the great apostle, taught us and use the weapon of prayer, specifically praying in the spirit when engaged in a battle, but really at all times. We should be praying with the understanding, meaning being led by the spirit, pray intelligently and pray those things which we clearly understand, but not only what we understand, we should also be praying and speaking mysteries. And that's what it says about when you pray in an unknown tongue. If you read, take your time after this message and read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 
and you will understand what the Apostle Paul, I pray by the Spirit of God that he will give you illumination and that you will understand what is being said there. There were people who were coming to the churches, and in the local assembly they were speaking in tongues, but there was no interpretation. And so the other people that were listening to them could not understand what was going on. Paul did not say that we should not speak in tongues. He said that he prays in tongues more than everybody else, and he hopes that we should all speak in tongues. But he said, but when you come into the public assembly, pray that whatever you pray in tongues is interpreted so that people could understand what the Holy Spirit wants to say to the church. That does not negate the reality that the same Holy Spirit us to be able to pray in unknown tongues so that we might speak divine mysteries to God and we might be able to edify, build ourselves up spiritually. And in moral and biblical knowledge, we will be uplifted. We will be enlightened while we're going through a battle. And let me just tell you something else that Paul wrote. This time it was not to the church at Corinth, but it was to the church at Ephesus. In the same book of Ephesians and the same chapter, chapter 6, remember we got our, our theme verse from chapter 6, verse 18, but now I'm going to look at chapter 6, verse 12. Paul exposes a bit of what spiritual warfare looks like. And he says in verse 12 of chapter Six of Ephesians. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wow. So that means person that is being used of the devil to harass and to torment you, to speak lies about you, to call people up and to say all kinds of vicious things about your character in hopes that the people listening will think much of them and less of you, you're not fighting against those individuals. Those are just weak people that have given themselves over to the devil. And he is using them for his purposes. But remember that we do not wrestle against such individuals. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. These are people that have given themselves over to satanic use and for satanic use. And they've, they, what we wrestle against is the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Even the people that are trying to advance all kinds of filth and ungodliness uh, among little children and trying to get them confused and turned around so that they will not even understand how God created them and who God made them. It's not those wicked individuals that we wrestle against because they're just mere flesh and blood. 
but it's against the principalities that's behind them, that motivates them, that they're um, possessed with. It's against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness. Let's take a quick look uh, at a very interesting passage of Scripture in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, and we're going to read just 12, 13, and 14, three verses, to get a glimpse of what sometimes, not all of the time, please don't think that every battle that you're encountering and everything that you go through, there's this deep, deep, big um, fight in the heavenlies over you. I can honestly tell you that this type of a battle and a struggle does happen, and it's still happening today. But it's specifically the, the, the depth and the width of this type of spiritual battle is more over nations and people groups. It's big. I told one lady when she told me of a story Uh, She was sharing some things that she had been going through, and she told me how the devil had come into her room himself and that how he had done this and he had said this and he did this and he had these. And I listened to her, and in my heart I was weeping for her because I knew that the devil would never uh, spend time with her personally because he's not like God, number one. He cannot be in all places at the same time. The devil is a fallen angel of a very high rank, of the highest rank of the fallen angels. He, is, he was a worship leader, but he's not God. So he cannot be all places at the same time. He's not present like God is. God can be everywhere at the same time, same place. Um, He can be with you where you are and be with me where I am same time because he's omnipresent. And I spoke about this in a previous message, if you remember. He's omniscient. He knows all. He's all wise. There's nothing that I can tell him about that he doesn't already know. When I pray, and we'll talk about prayer later on in this message, um, he knows it. It's not yet we're trying to give him information that he doesn't know. He knows it because he's omniscient. Knowing. And he's also omnipresent. And he's omnipotent, all-powerful. Satan is not omnipotent. Satan is not all-powerful. The only one who's all-powerful is the almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, creator of me and you, the one who created the angels. But in this case, the angel, he never even talked about how he was meeting uh, the devil. This particular angel that you're going to hear me talk about just in a second he, 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 he told Daniel, the prophet, the great man of God, he told Daniel in verse 12 of Daniel 10, he said to me, don't be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Come because of your words. 
However, the prince of the kingdom of Persia resisted me for 21 days. But behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I had been detained there with the kings of Persia. Notice he said, behold, Michael, one of the chief princes. Just let me just throw in right here. That's how come I know that the seven-day Adventists, they get it wrong when they say that Michael, the archangel, is also Jesus. No, he's not. Michael, the archangel, is not Jesus. He's an archangel. He's one of the chief princes, one of them, not the chief prince. He is one of the chief princes. And he came to help me because I had been detained there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future days, for the vision concerns days yet. And so here goes a a, a tremendous story, which was factual, that this angel came and spoke to Daniel. Wow. Wow. Notice that nowhere in verses 12, 13, or 14 did he say that Satan was withholding him. He never said that. He said that he was being withheld from coming to give Daniel the message by princes in the air. He called them out. He said they were from the kingdom of Persia. And he said that they detained him. But that Michael, one of the chief archangels, came to help him so that he could be set free and come and give Daniel the word that the Lord wanted to give him. So that's why I told that that young woman, and I knew she was battling a lot of um, mental illness, if not demonic possession as well. Uh, The devil was not coming in hell to go and speak to her in her room, no. What she was dealing with was a lot of confusion, and she probably was dealing with some Demons, real demons that came to trouble and harass her. But she, she was not dealing with Satan himself. Because remember, Satan is not going to come personally to just everybody and anybody. He will send his imps. And, and he's not even the one sending them. They're the, the lower ones underneath of him because it's, it's just like a kingdom. They have their own leaders. upon thousands and then over then then you have the lesser ones and you have the lesser ones and you have the lesser ones but it's a system now now we know that this was a battle that was going on in the heavenlies remember we just read read before Ephesians 6 and 12 for we wrestle not against flesh and blood blood but against principalities against powers against the rules of the darkness of this world now in Daniel chapter 10 12 to 14 we saw clearly how the angel explained to Daniel, the man of God, why Daniel had to wait for 21 days before he got an answer to his prayer. And by the way, I didn't even tell you that Daniel had been fasting for 21 days. He had not been eating uh, pleasant meats. He hadn't been eating any kind of meat, maybe just a few simple vegetables. No wine did he drink. No strong anything did he take, whether it was food or drink. Imagine that he's there babbling in prayer, not even knowing what was going on in the unseen realm above him, 
in the heavenly realm. There's a battle, people. It's real. It's not fake. It's real. There's battles going on. That's how come sometimes your prayers and my prayers are being delayed. There's battles. There's principalities that don't want our prayers to be answered, but they will be answered. You and I today have been blessed in a way that even the great prophet and man of God, Daniel, could not claim. He didn't even have the same privilege that you and I have today. Daniel could not claim that the precious Holy Spirit was given to him. And he did not have the ability to add praying in the spirit. He was able to pray in the natural, with his natural understanding. But he was not able to pray in the spirit, divine mysteries to God that you and I can. So when he talks about praying divine mysteries to God, sometimes when we pray in the spirit, even though we don't understand what we are praying in our natural understanding, yet we are praying in the spirit. So it's spirit, the spirit of God in us is praying to the Holy Spirit calling unto deep. This is tremendous. And sometimes what we're praying, God doesn't even want us to know what we're praying because it's too much for us in the natural. We would be blown away or we would faint. We would pass out to understand what is really going on in the unseen realm. Perhaps in another Bible lesson, we'll speak more in depth about praying in the spirit. And every believer's need of this ability to pray in the Spirit, especially in the days in which you and I live in. However, let's continue to go into verse 18 of Ephesians 6, which is not only talking about praying in the Spirit, but it says about doing so on all occasions. So please understand when we pray, there's no special time that, okay, now we go and pray because it's a special time. We should be praying at all times, on all occasions. So that means we pray. In the bad, we pray. The happy. We don't neglect prayer because we feel happy. We still pray. We still are prayerful. When we're sad, we should be praying. When we're up, Things are, you know, lighthearted. We feel happy. And we're in the up mode. We should be praying. But when we're in the valley, when we're down, when we're depressed, we should be praying. When we're healthy physically or even emotionally, we should be praying. And when we're sick, whether it's physical, mental, emotionally, we should be praying. We are to pray at all times, at all occasions. Even, you know, when we think, something and we clearly do not know, we need to pray. Sometimes I think, oh, I know this. I still need to be in prayer because I might have missed something. And when it's clear that I don't know, I definitely need to be praying. When believers gather together, we should pray. It's not only that when we get into the house of God that we should pray there, but when you're in, in a home, you have a bunch of believers in a home, even two or three, pray before you depart from each other. Pray. Not, do not only wait to be in some sort of a prayer of church service or in some kind of a problem. When we gather, we should always pray. Then we need to, the Bible tells us in verse 18, that we need to incorporate all kinds of prayer. So these five types of prayer I've known of 
for the great majority of my Christian life, but I've decided that rather than remake the wheel, I'm going to share with you how Elder Sean Tambahagan of the Word Community Church in Fresno, California, I like the way he explains it. So we're going to look at the five um, forms, which I've learned about for the past about how many years already, for decades, but I like the way Elder Sean explains it. Supplication simply means to ask or petition. Asking God for the things we want is one of the most common forms of prayer. Now, we all know about that. We all know about it. And we we know the verse from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 12. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good gifts to those who ask him? We also can read what I just read to you was Matthew 7, um, verses 7 through 12. So we, we want you to spend time in prayer asking God for those good gifts he's eager to give you. Make our request known to God. This is something good. It's something that the word of God wants us to do. He, Jesus wants and expects us to ask him for good things. However, if all we're praying to God for is just a list that we're presenting him, then our prayers are very shallow, very self-centered. Supplication should be present in our prayer lives, but it should not consume the totality. It should not be our full prayer life. Okay, I want something from God, so now I'm going to pray and ask him. That's just one type of praying. It's not all. That's why the apostle said to pray with all kinds of prayer. What about thanksgiving? That's another type of prayer. And you might say, well, Sister Pearl, I'm going through this. Is, I'm in warfare. I'm, I, I'm dealing with a the, with the battle right now. I'm in a battle. Should I be thanking God? Absolutely. Thanking God is, is being grateful to God and acknowledging his benefits in your life and his favor over your life. So even though you're going through something that might be feeling like hell on earth, there are good things in your life, and you need to be grateful and thankful for that. Incorporate thanksgiving as part of your prayer. God is a giver of good gifts. Amen. Let's read that from James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Wow. So he's a giver of good gifts, and we need to acknowledge uh, his goodness to us, and we need to be grateful to him in our communion with him. It makes our time with him even sweeter, not just complaining and telling him all the things that we don't have and what we need. That's supplication. And it's, it's proper in its place, but it cannot be the totality of our prayers. Amen. Be thankful to God. I love that verse that says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. 
and enter his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. So when you're, when you're praying and even using prayer as a weapon, make sure that you're incorporating thanks in your prayer time. Then the third one is adoration. To adore is to give reverent homage. This is, this is one of the big reasons I don't call people awesome. Because awesome means reverent. And the only one that I, I believe that deserves that is God. Actually, he's the only one in the Bible. The one term reverent is used in the Bible one time, and it, it refers to God. So you and I need to reverence God. We need to adore him. We need to gaze upon the beauty of God. A prayer of adoration is one in which we acknowledge and proclaim the reality of who God is. And the more we get to know who God is, the more we want to adore him. Adoration is the natural response to viewing God rightly. If ever that you don't know what to pray and you want run out of words, turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm 145 is a prayer of adoration. I'm just going to give you a few verses showing the psalmist's response to reflecting upon who God is. I will exalt you, verse 1, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you. I will extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. You see, as you and I take on praying adoration prayers, it lifts exalt God, it lifts your spirit. It lifts my spirit in the middle of the battle. There is a weapon, I'm telling you. Verse 4 of Psalm 145, one generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. I'm telling you, this is real. So, Spend time in prayer reflecting on the person of God, his nature, character, attributes, giving him praise. Lord, you're good, you're sovereign, you're holy, you're loving, you're just, you're all-powerful, all-knowing, sustainer of all things, ruler of all things, savior of the world, the lamb who was slain, the lion of Judah, the suffering servant, the triumphant king, the glorious father. You're my provider, my banner, my savior, my almighty Lord. We adore God. And then we need to confess before God. That's a prayer. That's a type of prayer. Remember, Paul the Apostle said to pray with all kinds of prayer. Well, confessing is a type of prayer. Confession is an acknowledgement and disclosure of sin. Remember, I shared with you in a previous message that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So it, it confesses. And acknowledge your sin, but it's not enough to just say, I sinned. He already knows that. God knows that. We need to confess that. Sometimes we need to confess that to other people, other saints of God. The Bible talks about confessing our faults one to another. All right? So we need to be able to confess our sins. King David confessed his sins. 
And Paul the Apostle talks about in Second Corinthians, he says, chapter 7, verse 10, godly sorrow brings repentance. That's conviction. We can refer to this godly sorrow as conviction. Worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow brings conviction. And the Bible gives us this great promise. Paul told the church at Rome in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He's just. He will forgive us our sins. He'll purify us from all unrighteousness. That's great news. I've shared that verse so many times. And also, 1 John 1, 9. Not only will he forgive us our sins, but he will cleanse us from the filth. Purify us. That's my sins. He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then the fifth type of prayer is intercession. Intercession is an intervening or pleading on the behalf of another person, or more simply, praying for someone else, praying for other people. And didn't the apostle tell us to do that when we read Ephesians 6.18? The, the latter part says, praying for all the Lord's people. So we're not just praying for ourselves, our family, our town, our situation, our country, our nation. We're interceding, intervening on the behalf of other people. And it's a command. First Timothy 2, verse 1, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Wow. We need to spend time in prayer thinking about others that we can pray for and especially praying for people that we know they're not praying for themselves they don't even see the need to pray for themselves or they're in such a bind they they feel that they cannot pray for themselves so there you have it five types or kinds of prayer mentioned in the word of God however now notice that even the five that I just laid out for you with the help of Brother Sean, they do not include or mention specifically praying in the Spirit. But the Apostle told us to pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit and pray for understanding. Can you do that? Because maybe... Some of you are thinking, well, what is she talking about? No, I, I'm just reading the word. I, I'm, just, I'm just going to, let me look. I'm going to look at it right now. I'm going to get 1 Corinthians. And I want you to see where the apostle told us that we need to pray with both. We need to pray both kinds of prayer. Verse 15, what is it then? from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Then verse 14, I should have read that one first, said, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, 
but my understanding is unfruitful. The kind of prayer that I'm talking about tonight as a weapon, even though all the other types that we have talked about are also important in our weaponry, but the praying in the spirit is very important because you are speaking divine mysteries to God. That's at the end of verse 2, 1 Corinthians 14. No man understands you when you speak in an unknown tongue, but how be it in the spirit he or she speaks mysteries. I've got news for you. With all of the demonic activity that's let loose on the earth today, you and I should be speaking in the spirit, praying in the spirit often, every day. We should be praying in the spirit. Pray in the spirit and with our understanding. Now, the Bible says that God gives us all things which pertain to life and godliness. I want to read that for you from Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. According to his divine power, hath God given us all things, oh my goodness, that pertain unto life and godliness. Part of the all things that God, our Heavenly Father, through the power of his Holy Spirit, has given us is the ability to pray in the Spirit. Hear me now. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. And in these times, since the glorified Christ, who conquered sin, death, and the grave, left to go back to live with his heavenly Father, please remember clearly what he promised us love and follow him. What did Jesus promise to those who love and follow him? He said in John chapter 16 and verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you And let me read that now in the Amplified Version, because what I said was from the King James, John 16, 7. But I want you to hear John 16, 7 from the Amplified Version. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, The strengthener, the one who stands by you, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you in close fellowship with you. Wow, wow, wow. Is that heavy? That is such a tremendous promise. What a promise from Almighty God. I want to read to you. I did not have this prepared in my notes as I was writing 
um, this message as God gave it to me for you tonight, but it comes to mind that I need to share with you um, something from the Word of God. I, I want to read to you something uh, from Romans chapter 8. That comes to my mind right now. Um, verse 26 of Romans chapter 8. In the same way, the Ruach, meaning the Holy Spirit, helps in our weaknesses. Listen to this. For we do not know how to pray as we should. Rock himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the rock, Holy Spirit, because he intercedes for the Kiddoshim according to the will of God. Wow, 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 wow. That is heavy. That is so heavy. I read to you from, from the, another version, so let me read to you from something that I think we would understand a little bit better. That was the Tree of Life version. Let me read to you now from the New King James Version of Romans 8, and I want to read again verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes those groanings are the unknown tongue. Now he who searches the hearts know what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We're talking about praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit is not the same like praying in your natural language and in understanding. Sometimes when I'm praying in the spirit, I'm just letting the spirit of God pray in and through me because I don't know how to pray for the heavy situation that I'm in. I don't know all the ins and the outs the different nuances of what's going on. Only God knows that. And so when I pray in the spirit, all bases are being covered because the spirit of God is allowed to pray in and through me. With this in mind, the Bible says be alert. Be alert. Be focused. Don't be you know, blindsided by the enemy. The latter part of, of, of verse 18, Ephesians 6. With this in mind, be alert. Be vigilant. Don't be slothful. Don't be lazy. Don't be, you know, with your, you know, distracted. Be alert. Be on the lookout for the devil. You're, in a, you're engaged in warfare. And keep on praying for all the Lord's people. It's not just about yourself. 
Prayer is a weapon, but it's not just a weapon for you to use against yourself. Soldiers in an army, they fight for one another. They're not just fighting to protect themselves. They're fighting to protect everybody in their influence. It's not just about them. You're fighting for your your home. You're fighting for your children. You're fighting for your spouse. You're fighting for your parents. You're fighting for your family members. You're fighting for the people in your church. You're fighting for your neighbors. You're fighting for the people that God brings along your path, and he, he put it in your heart to pray for them, to intercede for them. It's never just about you. So pray in the spirit on all occasions. Pray with all kinds of prayers. Yes, it's good to, to, to ask petitions, which is supplication. That's fine. But don't just stay there. Be thankful to God. Add thanksgiving in your prayer. That's a kind of prayer. Adore God in your prayer. Adoration. Confess. Confess your faults. Let God cleanse you. Let God clean you. Let God purify you. Know that he does that. Intercede. That's another part of praying. Intercede for others. It's intervening. It's pleading on the behalf of other people. It's not just about you and me or your personal family. Prayer is a weapon, and at the end of the day, to be honest, no battle is won without prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful for the time that we spent in your presence. We thank you that you give us the ability to pray with the understanding, but to also pray in the spirit. Pray the things that we, in our natural mind, don't know how to pray. But you, through your Holy Spirit, praying in and through us, we can cover everything that we need. And when we pray in the Spirit in an unknown tongue, the devil cannot decipher. He does not know. We, he cannot intercept this type of prayer because there is no language known on the earth like that. Even he is left out of the prayers. He cannot listen. His imps cannot listen. He's left in the dark. And this becomes between you and us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you captivate the hearts of everyone listening to this message tonight. If they don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that you would draw them to yourself, that you would save them, that they would confess of their sins, that they would be cleansed by your blood, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you would call them that you would anoint them, that you would appoint them, that you would walk with them, that you would bring them into a fellowship of strong believers, Bible-honoring, Bible-practicing believers, Lord God, and that you would do great and wonderful things. Thank you for helping us to see that there is no battle won without prayer, and prayer is a mighty, mighty weapon in the spiritual arsenal that you've given each and every believing child of God. May the Lord bless you real good. This is your sister Pearl. Until next time on Reaching Out Radio International, I love you, but the Lord loves you so much more. God bless you. Bye-bye.